I don't know what you do at the end of the year. I have a routine for me. One of the things that I do is I'm a, I do a lot with computers. So my messages and bulletins and everything are on computers. So I spend a lot of time at the end of the year on my computer closing out stuff. I make two backups of everything uh, on my computer. So I back up a lot of data. I um, continually... Uh, change over all my files. Everything's in file folders. So now the bulletin 2015, you know, messages 2015. I, I go through a lot of stuff to make the transition to a new year. In the old days, you actually had to write 2015 on checks, but I think I wrote like 10 checks last year. So that's kind of gone by the waste. I don't have to learn to do that anymore. So now I'm writing 2012 on checks uh, because it's been so long. But, you know, it, it, it's one of, we've gone to online banking stuff, so that changes all of that. And Anyway, so um, we all have kind of a routine thing that we do. And as we look forward to the new year, a lot of us start looking at things over the past year and say, this is what I want to change, this is what I want to do differently. A lot of us, uh, we start looking at, our weight, and we start thinking we need to change some things in the way we eat, and so we, we do different things, and, and, and we make resolutions. I'm not against resolutions. I, I, you know, if, if that's what helps you do things that you need to do, then make resolutions. Uh, but don't, don't also be anti-resolution where it's like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. If it's unhealthy, it needs to change. Okay, You, you follow what I'm saying. So so one of the things that happens this time of year is we look back and we look forward. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. It was, it was fascinating to me. Solomon, uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is Solomon's take on his observations of the world, has some interesting things to say about it. So this morning I want to look at a passage, and I'll, I'll put the passage in context, and then we're going to pull some things out that I think will help us as we, as we head into 2015. So uh, with that in mind, it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. The context is politics, so, and I'll explain it in a minute. But the context of the passage is actually, he's talking about politicians taking bribes. That's the context. But listen to what he says. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, chapter 7, he says, Extortion turns a wise person into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Now notice, look at verse 8, because that's where we're going to spend our time. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, where were the old days, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. So he throws a couple of things out here, and, and we're going to kind of try to walk through it and, and, and wrestle with it a little bit. But one of the things that he talks about here, and this is the thing we're going to kind of camp on, is the end of the matter is better than its beginning. And as a general principle, that's true. If you think about it for a minute, um, those of you that have taken trips over the holidays, by the end of the trip, what did you say? I want to go home. I can't wait to get to my own bed. I want to be in my own house. Um, we, like, we like those things. We look forward to kind of the end. Of, of, yes, we had a great time with family most of the time, but we're looking forward to getting back home. Why? Because there's something about the end of something. And, and, and Solomon says, as a general principle, the end, it, it, it's usually better than the beginning. 
if you've done it right. So he lays out a couple of things. Again, the context is politics. Here's what he's saying. Extortion turns a wise person into a fool, a bribe corrupts the heart. One of the things that was happening is, he was saying, look, when a politician takes a shortcut, it doesn't end well. When he takes money, and instead of waiting something out, if he, if he takes a bribe or if he allows extortion to come in, it, it takes somebody who's wise, somebody who's a good politician, and then turns him into a bad one. And he goes on to say it this way. He said, um, and it corrupts. The end of the matter is better than the beginning. The patience is better than pride. He said, look, if the guy would have waited it out and done what was right all the way along, it would have ended well for him. But he looks like a fool now because he did something foolish. He was wise until he took the bribe. He was wise until he allowed the extortion to come in. And he said, you have to be careful about shortcuts. And I think one of the things that Solomon is talking about here is how we view the, the, the past in this thing. He says, look, the end, the end of it's better than the beginning. He said, a wise person, uh, uh, extortion turns a wise person into a fool. A bribe corrupts the heart. He said, look, patience is better than pride. And one of the things that he's saying is, to the politicians, he's saying, be careful about shortcuts. Look, we're in a culture, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're in a culture, it's all about shortcuts. I mean, look. How do you lose weight? Here, drink this once a day and you can eat whatever you want. Take this shortcut. Hey, how do you get money? Casino. Take a shortcut. Take a shortcut. We're, we're in a world that is surrounded by take shortcuts. And one of the things that we have to understand is that's not good shortcuts don't end well patience wins the race keep plugging away doing what you're i don't know how many kids that i see that are that are young parents that get sucked into this but why because they're told look you don't have to save up to buy it you can buy it now on credit we will give you the money and the next thing you know, they're in this trap. Why? Because rather than doing it the hard way, they want to do it the easy way. And the easy way, listen, that ought to give you some insight. When you are making a choice and there's a hard way to do it and an easy way to do it, most of us choose the easy way, and most of the time that shortcut is a dead end. And that's one of the things Solomon says here is he says, look, it will take a wise person and it will make him foolish when he decides to try to take a shortcut with a bribe or, or, or extorting the situation. It's a dead-end road. And, and I want to challenge you, as you go into the new year, you're going to be tempted a lot to take shortcuts this year. You know as well as I do what's going to happen. January 1st, we're all going to start looking at it going, oh, I need to lose a little weight. Oh, I'm getting a little tubby. I need to go get in shape. And here's what's going to happen. Lots of people are going to sign up for the Y. And they're going to go for two weeks, and then they're not going to go anymore. Because you know why? That's hard. That's hard. And I, I've learned my lesson that way. So believe it or not, okay, again, I, I try to practice what I preach. Not always, but I try it as a general principle. Um, this year, every year I sign up for the Y. And normally I do January, February, March. 
okay? And I, I, I'm a big swimmer. I love to swim. And swimming is my thing. And so I, so last year, that's what I did, January, February, March. This year, the Y came up with a program that said, hey, you can sign up early for our special program in November. And you got to weigh in and you got to weigh out. And you weigh out like two weeks after January 1st. Uh, but they said, you know, we're going to help you try to keep off the holiday stuff. So I decided to go in November, got my weight down to where I wanted it a little bit, then went to Christmas, so my weight's back up where I want it, so now I've got enough time to get it back down. But it was one of those things, but you know what? I, and here's the thing, I hate doing it. You need to know, there are people in here that you're like, oh, good, I get to go out and run today. Eh, not me, never. Never have I woke up and go, I want to exercise. And as much as I love to swim, I don't wake up and go, oh, I can't wait to get in the pool today. No, because when I start and I start swimming, it's like, oh, that's one lap. That's one. And I add four laps every week. Okay. So the first week's easy, but it gets harder and it gets much harder. Um, and that's my thing. And, and I don't get excited about it. And believe me, I wish there was an easy way to drink some magic thing or take some magic pill and still be able to eat what I want. No, the hard way is exercise, you watch what you eat, you, 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 you eat the right things, you do all of those kinds of things. And if you're one of those people who go, you know, I, I want to do it the right way, I want to do it the hard way, there are all kinds of people who will help you. But if you want shortcuts, there are all kinds of people who will take advantage of you too. Be aware of it. Okay, be aware of it. But it's something as simple as our health, it's, it, it goes both ways. With your finances, same thing. The same thing. There are people who will let you take shortcuts. It's going to cost you. you know? but, and again, I, I go, um, I shouldn't tell you this, but I will tell you this because I'm, I, I'm, it's not anything that's a big deal for me. I'm not a gambler. Okay? I personally think gambling is for mathematically challenged people. Okay, I think it's the way that we, I think it's a tax on mathematically challenged people. That's what I think, okay? So, but my wife and I go to Omaha in, 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 for our anniversary every year. You want to know where the cheapest place to stay is? It's a casino. Because they have great rooms for, for nothing, almost next to nothing. Because they think if they get you in it, well, when I check in a casino, they lose money, you know? Because I understand that that's a shortcut that never ends well. And so for me, boom, that's not my thing. That's, that, 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 that's not my deal. But I sit there because I'm fascinated by the people who do. And people who, who, who do that. And I'm like, wow, you know, I guess that's the thing that appeals to you. But I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's just like some of you look at me when I play with glass. And you're like, I don't get it. It's just glass. Um, but that's like my thing. Okay? And, and I want to challenge you because some of you don't understand that the world is out there selling you shortcuts. Kids, the world is out there selling you sh all kinds of shortcuts. Here, you know, alcohol, you don't, you don't have to think about it. Let, it let, let your troubles be drowned away with a bottle. There's all kinds of shortcuts the world wants to sell you. Be careful about the shortcuts. Solomon said they're a dead end road. Patience wins the race. Do the right thing day after day after day. Don't get hung up on 
how can I get how can I take a shortcut to get there faster? And I know because you listen, I'm like most of you guys in here. If there's a shorter way to get somewhere, I'm on it. But I also know many a time I have added hours to trips that way because I thought it was a shortcut that didn't turn out to be such a good shortcut. And so I've learned that as well. Um, he talks about a couple other things, and then listen to what he says in the next passage. He jumps, at continuing this thing, he says, Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. Oh, oh I forgot the other section. I'll, I'll get back to it in a second. When times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider this. God has made one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Okay, I've got to go back. Go back to my other passage. I forgot this other one because this is a good one too. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask some questions. How many times have you heard somebody say, oh, you remember the good old days? I love what one guy said. Listen to this. He said, the good old days are a combination of a bad memory and a great imagination. <laughs> because they are. They, the good old days as we describe them never existed. We for, all we've done is we've chosen to remember the good things about it. We haven't remembered the whole thing about it. You know, I hear people talk about, you know, well, I remember in the church when it was so nice, we could like all come together and it was such a small group and we could all like go over to somebody's house and have Bible study. Yeah, I remember that. I also remember days that we had to go three hours without going to the bathroom because the toilet, because the water level had gotten so high we couldn't use the bathroom. And I remember walking in going, oh, let's open all the windows because the mold smell was so bad. I remember going in having to clean up the mold on a pretty seasonal basis. Yeah, I remember the good old days. Uh, you know, I remember the coffee maker. You know, one little pot for everybody. Uh, I, I, be careful about looking back because it, 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 you're not looking at it clearly. And I think sometimes we look back and we spend way too much time looking back and Solomon warns us about that. He says, look, be careful of that. And there are some of you that you look back saying, I wish it could be like that. And I, I would just say you really, you've forgotten the whole thing. And there are others of you, you look back with regrets. And you, you find yourself saying things like, you know, I wish I could go back and do things differently with my kids. Be careful how you how far you take what I'm about ready to say. But let me remind you of this. You are where you are today because of your past experiences, both good and bad. It took all of that to bring you to where you are today. If you eliminate any part of that, we don't necessarily guarantee that you're going to end up where you are today. It took both the good and the bad. It took both the pain and the joy. It took all of that to get you where you are today. Be careful about going, playing that, I call it the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. You know, wishing things would have been so much, so much different. Well, you don't understand, you know, if I could have like brought my kids up this way, that would guarantee what? Maybe so, maybe not. 
You have to be careful about playing that game. And I know too many Christians get stuck because all they do is beat themselves up over the past. And the past is the past. It can't be changed. All you can do is take the past, reflect on it, make changes for the present that affect the future. That's all you can do with the past. Don't get so hung up on, you know, your past that you can't go forward. And you get stuck in the past. And it paralyzes you. Because I see that happen a lot with people. And he says, look, be careful about saying, you know what? The good old days. If I could go back and do it over with. Be careful about that continually looking back. You wouldn't drive home that way without getting in an accident. And that's exactly what will happen in life. You'll go off course if you're going to continually look back. It's going to paralyze you. And then he goes on. Like, go to that, my next passage there. And this is what he says. He said, he talks about the future. He says, who can straighten what's made crooked? When the good times are good, be happy. When the bad times are bad, consider this. God has made one as well as the other. There when no one can discover anything about the future. He says, look, we have this tendency in life to look at it and go, okay, where I am now is how I'm going to project it into the future. So if things are good now, things are going to be good down there. If things are bad now, then it's going to be a horrible, no good year next year too. We have this tendency to take where we are and interpret our future based on where we are now. And, 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 and Solomon says, be careful about that. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. You're going to have things that you can rejoice over and you're going to have things that, that, that are sorrowful in your life. You're going to have difficulties, you're going to have successes. You're going to have both of them. And notice what he says. When the good days are good, what does he say? Be happy, embrace them, enjoy them. We miss that. We get so focused on what's going to happen or what has happened, we're not paying attention to what is happening. And we are missing out on so much. How many older people do I talk to whose kids are gone and they say, I wish I would have spent more time with them. I wish I would have realized what I had. They grow up way too fast. That's, by the way, those of you who have, who have little kids and the parents that you now take your little kids to, your parents, are like the, not the people who raised you. That's why. Because, see, when they were raising you, they were trying to do it all right. <clears throat> now that they have grandchildren, they don't care. It's your job to get them right. We're going to mess them up. So all of a sudden, you know, you're going, okay, now, Mom, I said no cookies. No, it's my granddaughter, my grandson. I've got to give them cookies. That's what grandmas do. And it's like, okay, I can't bring them over to grandmas anymore. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. No, the whole idea is that they've, here's what's happened. They have realized what they missed. And they're trying to re-grab it again with your children. That's what happened. That's what happens. And you've and you got to understand that. And, and if you, as a younger parent, can figure that out now, you won't be one of those people who say, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids and less time at work. I have never yet heard anybody say at the, in a nursing home, I wish I would have spent more time on my job. But... The list is long of people who say, I wish I would have spent more time on things that were really important. And, and I just want to, and, and here's what he's saying. He said, look, you don't know 
whether the future is good or bad, take the day you've got. And I think that's when we put it together because this, this kind of passage actually gives me some hope and some, perspe- some perspective on some stuff. He's basically saying this, look, God's in charge. And God's got a plan, and you will be okay. You will be okay. That's, that's, what, the, that's what the prophet Jeremiah said. He said, look, God knows the plans he's got for you. They're not plans to hurt you. But you've got to respond. You've got to want to do it God's way and not your way. And if you will learn to do it God's way, if you'll learn to go to God and say, okay, God, what do you say about how she should be a parent? How, what do you say about my finances? What do you say about how I raise my kids? What do you say about how I treat um, the cashier or the, the, the person who waits on my table at a restaurant? What, what do you say about that, God? And do that, the end is better than the beginning. The end is far better than the beginning. Why? Because God knows the best way to live. And that's what that whole book is about. The whole Bible is about, look, do it this way because this is the best way to do it. In the end, this, this is the one with the greatest payout. <coughs> Satan does it just the opposite. I'm going to try to make this analogy for those of you who have bought a car. Uh, let's say you're going to buy a $20,000 car. God approaches it this way. You're going to pay me X number of dollars at this percent rate, and at the end of four years, the car's yours. So you're going to make payments all the way along the way, and at the end of four years, it's yours. So I don't, it's somebody who's a math person, so if it's like 5% interest on four years on a $20,000 car, yeah, I just lost Lale even. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, a $400 payment or whatever else by the time you get in taxes and all the fees and everybody else. So let's say you got a $400 a month payment. It'd be more than that, wouldn't it? It'd be like $600. Huh? At least $500. Thank you, wife. Um, $500 a month. So $500 a month, four years, car's yours. Satan does it this way. Tell you what, I'll give you a car. $25 a week. And you go, yes, $25 a week. I can do that. And I get the car now. At the end of four or five or six years, you come back to Satan and you go, hey, look, when do my payments end? Oh, it's a lifetime thing. I get $25 a week for the rest of your life. Yeah, but the car's like in the junkyard after 15 years. It's $25 a week the rest of your life. See, Satan doesn't show you the price tag up front. Never does. He shows you the reward, but not the price tag. God says, look, here's the price. There's the reward. This one you've got to be a little bit more patient for. This one's a little more work. This one's a little more effort. This one's a little more cost. In the short term, in the long term, that's got a whole lot higher price tag with it. And that's what Satan does constantly to us. And, 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 and the writer here goes, look, be careful. Be patient with it. This gives you hope that God's in control. And whatever you're dealing with today, is what, is, you have enough to deal with it today. And he says it this way. Um, I, I, here, here's what, um, what's his name? Um, oh, come on. I've got to think of the guy. He, I'm in Roman history now. A Roman guy. Who was it? Oh, yeah, Horace. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Take the day you've got. That's enough. 
That's enough. Take the day you got. So a couple of takeaways from it. Here's, here, here's, here's what I think can help us kind of as we head into the new year. Here's the first thing. Be really careful about how you view the past. Honestly, I know some of you have a horrible past. I know there are a lot of marks. I know there are a lot of scars. I know there is a lot of pain. I know there's a lot of difficulty. And unfortunately, because you live in a small community, there are plenty of people around to remind you of that on a regular basis. The beauty of the cross and the beauty of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the beauty of putting my faith and trust in Christ means that God takes all of my sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west and puts it in the depths of the deepest sea. Do not let your past define who you are in the present. Do not allow your scars and difficulties and struggles and all of that to determine who you are. The Bible is very clear. In Christ, if you're a Christian, you are a new creation. All of those things are passed away. They are in the past. Leave them there. Don't spend a lot of your time, energy, and effort focusing on them. That's a dead-end road. For some of you, you have had a great past. Like me, you were brought up in a Christian home where you were surrounded by a lot of things that, that, that a lot of people didn't get. And so for someone like me, you know, I've been in church every week for my entire life. And many times I was there three, four times a week. Uh, you know, we used to joke, if the janitor came by to open the door, my dad thought we ought to show up. I mean, it, we were there a lot. So I was, gr I was brought up around a lot of great influences and opportunities and things like that. But you know what? That's also in my past. And I've got to be careful that I don't bank on my Christianity from back then. And there's a danger in that. There's a danger for some of us who are second or third generation Christians to bank on the Christianity of our parents, and you can't do that either. So be careful how you look at the past and realize, I'm not saying the past isn't important. The past got me to where I am today, and it was all part of that journey. But don't get hung up on it. Don't, don't, don't allow Satan to guilt you because of it. Uh, don't allow friends and people to guilt you because of it. It's in the past. I can do it differently because I am a new creature in Christ. doesn't mean I have to live there. doesn't mean I have to be tied to it. Are there, are there impacts and things like that that come as a result of my past? Yeah, that's always true. But that doesn't define who I am. That is so important. As far as the future, let's understand this. It may never happen. You see, here's one thing I know. Everyone sitting here right now has today. I don't know who here has tomorrow. We assume we do, but we don't know. You know. That became very real in my life this week as we started wrestling with all of this stuff. And the reality of it is I'm sitting there talking about my friend, but I'm about to get in a car, and some guy can simply come and cross a line five feet away from me and I didn't have today. Today's a gift. 
tomorrow's a gift. I can't bank on tomorrow. I'm not saying you don't plan for tomorrow. I'm not saying you don't throw away the future, but I'm saying you don't put all of your, all of uh, everything in that basket because that basket may or may not exist. And I have so many people say, you know, one day I'm going to. One day I'm going to go talk to that person. Really? What if that day never comes? What if their life ends before yours? What if your life ends before theirs? You don't have that day. And believe me, you don't want to be standing at a funeral home telling somebody you wish you would have said what God has been pressing on your heart to say for a long time. You don't want to live with that. Why? Because you have today. You have this moment. I like what one guy said. Learn to live today in God's perfect will. He said, don't allow the past to paralyze you or the future to hypnotize you. And I think that's what happens to a lot of us. We get so caught up in the future. Some of you are so worried about the future that it's affecting the way you live today. Well, how messed up is that? Because th th this was a this is a Victorian writer, but I love what they said. While you're dreaming of the future or regretting the past, the present, which is all you have, slips away from you and is gone. Let me say it again. While you're dreaming of the future or regretting the past, the present, which is all you really have, slips away from you and is gone. Don't let the day you have slip away. We have today. Will we see 2050? I don't know. The Lord may come back. That'd be awesome for me. I hope it would be awesome for you. But I know it would be awesome for me. The relationships that I have, I have today. I have this day with my wife. I have this day with I only got one of them. One of my kids today. This day. This moment. Make the best of it. Make the best of it. What's going to happen next year? Don't know. I can probably tell you this. If I live in the next year, I can tell you this. They're going to be good days. And they're going to be bad days. I look back over my past, this past week for me. There have been some great days. And there have been some days you could not give me enough money to go through again. That's life. That's life. So when you have those good days, you appreciate it and value it and treasure it. Because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Our lives are like vapors. They're here for a minute and they're gone. Make the boast of it. Make it count. So I close with this. Solomon reminds us that it's foolish to glory in the good old days or to worry about the future. He challenges us not to take shortcuts. And it reminds us that the one who trusts in God and is patient, depending on God each day, will come to the end of his life and realize the end is better than the beginning. You have this day. Make it count. Let's pray. Lord, help us.
God, we take for granted so often this thing that we have called life. Lord, we're looking forward to celebrating the new year. We're looking forward to the excitement of the year and things that it hopes. But Lord, so often we spend so much time looking forward or so much energy looking back that we don't realize what we really have at the moment. So Lord, help us to live it a little differently this week. Help us to treasure and value the days, the moments, the times, the opportunities we have. Lord, help us to be good stewards of the gift of life that you have given us for this day. And when it's all said and done, Lord, and we have tried to live our life to the best of our ability to honor you, may we truly be able to say that the end is better than the beginning. May we be able to come to our end of our life like Paul and say, we fought a good fight, we finished the course, we've kept the faith. Use us. And uh, thank you for this day. These things we ask in your name. Amen.